This is The Topic is Trek, episode 128, for December 9th, 2022. Coming up in this episode, we have, where have all the conventions gone? We'll find out. Maybe, maybe not. Paramount takes to the sky. More on that. And lots of Prodigy on tap. All that and more right now on The Topic is Trek. Is Okona part of our Ohana? Welcome to The Topic is Trek, the podcast that runs on impulse power. Join us for a journey where no show has gone before. If it has to do with Star Trek, there's a good chance we'll talk about it. Sooner or later, because on this show, The Topic is Trek. Engage already. I want some Tranya after doing that bit on the video portion of the show. Oh, well, hello, everyone. I'm Clinton, one of your Topic is Trek co-hosts, and welcome to episode 128 of The Topic is Trek. Of course, to be a co-host, I have to have other hosts with me. So beaming in to join me, as always, with the hip new catchphrase that every kid on the block will be talking about when he goes down to the fishing hole tomorrow, Mr. Craig Stepp. Still working on it. Well, that's a truism. I, I, I'll definitely say that. Um, and that's Keep the, working on it. <laughs> that may be the best we get, folks. I don't know. That's not somebody else. You're right. right. <laughs> All right. Hello, everybody. And also joining us is Mr. Chuck Tomasi. Hey, how you doing? Just wonderful. Just wonderful. Like, I, I lied when I said it's just wonderful. It's just Standard response. I, I had one of my booster shots uh, today and was feeling a bit under the weather for, for a Dr. while. Doctor and Vega came by your house and he did slap me in the face a couple of times, but <laughs> it was fine after that. Gave you a shot and left. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your hypo spray. But I'm powered by caffeine now and ready to go. Caffeine. Um, it's kind of I late thought, at night for caffeine. I thought Doctor Taana was going to give him a shot. Yeah. <laughs> Have your beep flat uh, booster. Keep your pants on. You shoot him in the arm. <laughs> that leg will grow back anyway. All right. Well, uh, before we begin uh, anything else, I want to give a couple of uh, shout out congratulations to some people in the Star Trek universe. Congratulations to Michelle Yeoh for being named Time Magazine's Icon of the Year. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Darn, pretty darn cool. And you can see her. You can She's watch actually her. been very busy. Oh, extremely. You're just seeing her entire you know, budget for the Section 31 show just going higher and higher and higher if they if they want to hire her to do it. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's um, – I forget what the next – oh, she's going to be uh, next up in The Witcher, Season 3 of The Witcher. And she uh, is in the front running for an Oscar for Everything Everywhere All at Once. So – Interesting times for Michelle, and and rightly deserved, by the way, for that. And yeah. also, uh, congrats to Anthony Rapp and his longtime partner, Ken, on the arrival of their first child. So here's Yay. two Christmas nights for you guys. Here, we'll That's do right. this one. Yeah. 
That's what they'll hear at three in the morning. <laughs> That's the baby monitor going off. What is that all about? I don't know. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the nursery. That's right. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yeah. You're all excited until they have that, that third night of no sleep. And then you start to go, eh. What did we get ourselves into? <laughs> I know. But all that said, speaking of children and petulant children at that, it's time to get the okay from Charlie for subspace chatter. You, the, the eternal optimist, even after we take a few weeks off. I am. Well, it's the caffeine oh, talking. Chatter. Mm-hmm. Good old Charlie. So Charlie's a big no-go on that. So check on the story. That's par for the course. At the end of May, Paramount and co-runner Massive Events canceled the Destination Star Trek London convention set for September. That left only one official European Trek convention, Destiny Star Trek Germany. After that con was over, Massive Events was out of the Star Trek con business. Hmm. Now, just six months ahead of Mission Seattle, Paramount and co-runner Reed Pop have decided to cancel the official Trek convention, which had been set for late May 2023. That leaves Star Trek The Cruise 6 as the only official Trek convention currently scheduled for 2023 anywhere. Wait, we have to do this with, with, with feeling. Oh, no. Anywhere in the world. In the world. And two-thirds of the hosts of this show will be there. Indeed. That's right. Yeah. Wish you were wow, that's me. that's frankly amazing. <laughs> I like, know. The, the, the whole con scene dried up. Yeah. Well, uh, Craig has a bit more on that. Yeah. So, Ron and Craig in the same sentence? <laughs> that's right. Uh, so <laughs> website trekmovie.com did confirm that Reed Pop still holds, holds the license for the Star Trek, Star Trek conventions in the U.S. but no one seems to know when, where, who, how, and when, or I say when twice. You did. Uh, it's a lot of when. <laughs> whether a new convention will be held. Meanwhile, the former runner of the official Trek convention, Creator uh, Creation Entertainment, has over 100 guests line up for next year's 57-year mission, the unofficial TrekCon. Well, how about the hundred guests? Well, wow. yeah. So what the heck is happening here? Trick we're we're going gonna to funnel them all onto that cruise ship. I've yeah. got nowhere else to make a few the bucks. Signing like off to the side. Everybody get on the one side. <laughs> yeah. Come on. This is what the lifeboats are for. We can get some more people in there. Yeah. So Trek is clearly in the middle of a resurgence. So why is Paramount canceling conventions? Conventions run by companies with proven track records in the fan con business. I mean, these are not upstarts. Frankly, we don't know. They have not really been forthcoming about any of this stuff. But Chad Porto over at the Red Shirts Always Die website has a theory. Now, take this for what you might think, but they speculate that the cancellation of the next Star Trek movie may have taken away Mission Seattle's main selling point. They think that Paramount saw Mission Seattle as a way to introduce the cast of Star Trek IV to the general public. That would certainly generate media buzz, but with the movie on hold, Paramount pulled the plug before tickets went on sale for Seattle. Whether or not you think that's the, that theory makes sense, with little else to go on, it's as good a guess as any as to why these cancellations are happening. Uh, I can't explain it. I mean, everything is just... And clearly, we've got lots of Trek. We've got lots of people watching Trek. We've got Trek now, as we'll talk about later, you know, appearing in more markets around the world. So the mm-hmm. idea that the one in Germany and, and London... Being, 
I don't know if it's somebody at Paramount just dropping the ball and and something's going wrong internally there, but it's it's weird. They they were hit by all the staffing cuts like everybody else, like the tech industry is, and they lost their events coordinator. Yeah. Or well, the, anything's the possible at this point. All the ensigns are quiet quitting. Yeah. In the uh, in the uh, the links, it's not a story we're, we're we're covering, but in the links, there are layoffs going on taking place at at CBS and at Paramount. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing though that you're getting at Netflix and all the other places that, you know, they, okay, now we're going to have to dial this back a little bit. And especially with um, Paramount, because they merged so many different companies together. I thought you could say so many different times. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, there's well, they, well that, that is true too, <laughs> but you've got, you've got redundancies. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, letting some of those people go first, but there's other stuff going on. Like sh- they're cutting back on Showtime Showtime is still going to be a thing for Paramount, but apparently it's not going to be quite the same Showtime that it was before. Yeah. So there definitely are, are cuts happening. And if they have by mistake, get rid of the events coordinator. Well, you know, lots of people being laid off. We, it we, sounds we, like Elon Musk is running the place. Oh, exactly. wait, hire him back. Oh. <clears throat> All right, well, let's move on with that thought in mind. Craig, you've got uh, a bit on the on the, on the the next story here, which I find yeah. interesting, too. All right, so ScreenRant.com just ran an article documenting every time the Star Trek franchise has brought back the classic TOS Constitution class bridge. This doesn't include the Strange New Worlds bridge, since it isn't exactly a copy. You know, it's, it's slightly different and updated. It may seem more like more, uh, but we've only seen that iconic bridge five times in the last 54 years. Okay. So one, we have relics. That was the TNG episode from 92. Two, we have the trials and tribulations episode from DS9 in 1996. Excellent episode. Three, the two part in a mirror darkly, a story of the enterprise show Mm -hmm. in 2005. And four and five, the two variations of the bridge in this year's All the World's a Stage episode of Prodigy. And the bridge appears once as a replica in the planet's surface and once as a holographic overlay on the bridge of the protostar. And you can also include the bridge of the Star Trek animated series, but we think that's more of a you know continuation of the original rather than a tribute to it. I, I was was I wrong in thinking I felt like there were more times? I thought so too. Um, but once I read this list here, I'm like, that's it. I can't think of anything else. So, <laughs> right, I guess not. Yeah, that's like asking you know someone who's exaggerating. To, 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 okay, when did that happen? Well, there was this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that one other time uh, that I can't quite name yeah. right now, but yeah, it was a thing. It happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. I did love uh, Relics and, of course, the um, Trials and Tribulations. I thought those were two very good examples of it bringing it, or bringing it back. Uh, I like the Relics because, you know, you had Scotty sitting there mm-hmm. just chatting for a moment. It's like they took the story and stopped for a minute. Let's have a chat with Picard, yes. you know, and have a drink with something green. And then, uh, anyway, I just thought that was really cool. The The, the scene with Scotty on the bridge made me think of um, like when you go to a convention and mm-hmm. you're happy and everybody's having a good time. And then you go to that same hotel or conference hall 
for something else. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the same, especially if it's like during the off season, like when somebody goes to the Marriott in Atlanta and it's not dragon con. Oh, like, I got to tell you the day, yeah. cause we, we it's, always, it's we weird. Always stay an extra day at the end. And oh, yeah. Tuesday, yeah. the places are deserted. You know, the, yep. the, the, the habit trails are completely empty. It's just this weird, weird feeling like, no, really, there was a giant convention here yesterday. <laughs> yeah. That but that's weird. when you realize it's all about the people. The, mm -hmm. the venue is just this shell. Uh, and, and that's kind of what I got when he was sitting on the bridge. It's like, it's not the same without your, your coworkers, your friends. Hanging <laughs> or, the, or the 40 other 50,000 people that <laughs> that should have been there. The cameraman, yeah. the producer. Yeah. <laughs> And I've been to, playing I've, a red shirt, and it's not going to be good yeah. for him. I've certainly when been they, to Atlanta out off season, off Dragon Con season, and it's like walking through there. It's like, whoa, it's weird. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> so, even though it's probably plenty busy for a downtown area, it's just yeah, busy. right. Yeah. It's like, hey, I can walk across the Scrab Bridge and not run into traffic. <laughs> when I see the uh, the episode in a mirror darkly, it reminds me of when we did the um, like one of the final tours of. Uh, start the enterprise. Uh, the, um, sorry, the Star Trek experience in Vegas mm -hmm. back in 2008. Raise the glass. And April was April was giving Solidary. us a tour, and and there were all the showcases with the actual film props and whatnot. And they said, "Here's Zephram Cochran's coat." Yeah, and right. they actually had to remove it only once to go film that episode. Oh, right, right. So they took the same coat out of that showcase. Filmed the, that episode or those episodes, and then brought it back, and and uh, and I had it right on the tip of my tongue because I just watched the episode like a week before going to Vegas. As I yes, in a mirror darkly, you know, like I know every episode inside. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I have yeah. trouble remembering the names of the four we're going to be covering today. So, I know. Right? Well, that's because they're brand new. <laughs> true. Yeah. True. Yeah. All right, we're going to uh, cover a story now that has to do with Paramount Plus, but I thought a lot of other. Um, shows don't really talk about the business end of things and, and how the service is doing. And, and so I like to get those behind the scenes things as well and, and what's things happening internationally and so forth. So bear with us if you're not quite into this type of thing, but this is, this does concern Star Trek. While Paramount Plus continues to roll out in most of Europe's bigger markets, Paramount Global has another strategy when it comes to the rest of the continent they have partnered with Comcast for a joint venture called Sky Showtime. The service features a selection of content from both Paramount and NBC Universal. Offers include movies like Jurassic World, Dominion, The Godfather Trilogy, Jaws, The Back to the Future Trilogy, and Top Gun Maverick, and shows such as The Office, Halo, Billions, and NCIS. Now, before you get too jealous, there are some drawbacks for Trek fans. Sky Showtime only includes a limited amount of Star Trek content. It has the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and the first half of season one of Star Trek Prodigy. However, Showtime, uh, Sky Showtime is not currently adding episodes from the second half of Prodigy as they premiere here, here in the U.S. This could mean they'll be added once the season wraps in December, but we're not sure. Interesting. And Craig, you know, there's a lot of things we're not sure about on this show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we're sure about that fact anyway. That's right. We're not sure. Well, Sky Showtime is also launching with a limited amount of legacy Star Trek content, including all seven seasons of TNG 
and just four of the Trek movies, Nemesis and three Kelvin area uh, era uh, Trek films. Sky Showtime doesn't currently offer Star Trek Discovery, and we don't know if or when that will change. Lower Decks and Picard are available on Amazon Prime Video throughout Europe. Hmm. Uh, so it looks like Sky Showtime is priced at seven or six ninety nine in countries that use the euro. So it's yeah six ninety nine euros, I guess. Mm-hmm. That converts to around Aussie. Uh, converts to around seven dollars and twenty four cents in the U.S. Uh, we couldn't tell if the service was ad supported, but that's kind of the that's kind of the theme nowadays. Uh, a lot of these uh, streaming services start adding showing adding up. Uh, Right, yes. which I get a kick out of, uh, you know, because we remember back when Paramount Plus as CBS All Access premiered and you had the two tiers mm-hmm. and everyone was berating the commercial plan. And now all of a sudden Disney's going to have one. Netflix, Netflix is going to have one. About it. Yep. Hulu's had it forever. Right. So who's laughing now? Yeah. Sky Showtime is already available in Denmark, Finland. Norway, Sweden, the Netherlands, and Portugal. It will launch on December 14th in Bosnia and Herzegovina, Bulgaria, Croatia, Kosovo, Montenegro, Serbia, and Slovenia. Hmm. It will then expand into Albania, the Czech Republic, Hungary, North Macedonia, Poland, Romania, and Slovakia in February of 2023, with launches in Spain and the micronation of Andorra, also set for early 2023. And this kind of gives you the picture of, you know, you think of, we think of Star Trek as domestic and yeah, they showed other places. This shows you with deals like this, the reach, granted, they've got a limited amount of shows, but the reach that Star Trek can have around the world with new episodes of things. So I'm really hoping Showtime, Sky Showtime expands what they're showing for Trek. Internationally, Paramount Plus is currently available in the UK, Ireland, and Italy. It launches on it launched on December 1st in France and will launch in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria on December 8th. Oh, that was that was uh, that already happened. So welcome to Germany, Switzerland, and us Austria. Interesting enough, as part of the Sky Showtime launch, Paramount Plus subscribers in the Nordics, including Denmark, Finland, Norway, and Sweden, were converted to Sky Showtime subscribers from being a Paramount Plus subscriber, meaning they actually lost access to oh. Trek content. Don't make your Nordic people mad in the winter. No, because they got <laughs> nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> you know, it seems, I, I understand that streaming rights are different for a lot of different places and laws. And uh, then you got like uh, Comcast has, so we're talking about here has, you know, I'm sorry, uh, like a, um, Probably well, like uh, some kind of over oversight, not oversight. That's not the right word. Anyway, so there's a lot of different access to worry about. It's funny that they just can't say, here, let's make Paramount Plus accessible here or Peacock or. You know, I think, it- well, I think the, the silent partner of this is Sky. And so they're not really. Oh, I thought I said Comcast earlier, but yeah, you're right. Well, no, 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 it is Comcast, but I'm saying because it's Sky Showtime. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm measuring Sky Network is involved in this because they do a lot of the, the programming, the sell it, you know, no, I'm just saying it seems weird that they just don't, Hey, let's make Paramount plus available here. Well, instead of, instead of making a whole brand, a new brand. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's a case of they're trying to leverage cost mm-hmm. of rollout and some places they may say it's not worth it to us solo, 
But, you know, Comcast, if you want to partner with us, you know, we think we can make this work. And I don't, I do not think that the partnership will last forever. I mean, it's the same thing. Look what happened to Hulu. Hulu was a partnership between ABC, NBC, uh, the CW, and I can't mm-hmm. I don't think ABC was involved. Maybe they were. Maybe they Fox. were involved. Right. And Fox. So, you know, people started backing even before the merger uh, between Disney and Fox. You know, there was lots of, well, I'm not sure this is really worth it to us. And some of the networks started pulling this stuff. So I think that this is a stopgap. Is that, yeah. the same, is that the same sky that is like the, the broadcast I mean, company in the UK? UK? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's okay. It, right. So I think, you know, I, I think Rupert Murdoch is involved with sky, right? So it's really kind of a little bit of everything going on there with this thing. So I imagine they're using the systems set up for that, for this. Um, but it, it does show that they are rolling out internationally. I just really wish you know, that the offerings that they have for Trek movies, it's like, wow, what happened to the rights on those? You've got four movies, Nemesis and the and the Kelvinverse. That's it? Yeah. So much for all Star Trek under one roof. Well, speaking of that, I was doing something, uh, scrolling through the, the stuff from Paramount Plus. And you know how we talked about the fact that all the movies except for Two of them were gone. Yes. Because you know, they went to other places. Star Trek 2009 and Into Darkness are listed. Watch them before they leave. <laughs> so the last two that are there yeah. may be leaving as well. On Paramount yeah. Plus. Yeah. What does that leave us with? It leaves us with all the series. Oh, the series. Where'd all yeah, the movies it's just the, There's a lot Why? of between the movie, movie rights and streaming rights and all that stuff that's been pre-agreed on that's why they keep they come and go from all these different services yeah, you know um, like, w- some of the other ones on there was watching before they go are the uh the indie trilogy but no well four was it four movies four movies because they have um the first four and they're so my guess is they've made some sort of deal with disney now that you've got the fifth indiana jones movie coming out say well we'll give you the streaming rights for Indiana Jones, but you've got to give us. Yeah. You know what? I'll show, we'll show, we showed them. We watched it way before it's leaving. That's right. <laughs> when it first came out to the theater. <laughs> it sounded like a game in Monopoly. I'll yeah. trade you the B&O and Reading Railroad for, <laughs> Ventnor, yeah. for right, well, Chuck, Indiana why place. Why don't you take us to our next story, Chuck? All right. Well, it seems like we've been covering the ups and downs of the potential fourth movie in the Kelvin timeline for years. Yes, that's what it seems like, because we have. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, we even talked about the interview with screenplay authors J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay, where they outlined their script for Star Trek Four. It would have seen Chris Pine's Captain Kirk reunited with his father, George, played by Chris Hemsworth. At this point... We don't know if that'll ever happen. Again, we don't. There's a lot of things on this show we don't know. We should have titled this one. We don't know. We don't. Yeah. Uh, some sure. kind of. <laughs> eh. But some in kind an of movie. In an appearance on the Happy Sad Confused podcast, which sounds like it could be us, uh, Hemsworth gave us a tiny peek into the reason things didn't work out. 
Speaking about the story I did with the podcast host, Josh Horowitz, Hemsworth said, it wasn't what I was thinking it would be, it would have been or could have been. Okay, cool. Let's figure that out and keep going. And then I think everyone got busy and so on. Mm -hmm. Hemsworth added that he's not even sure why the story makes sense now, since he's 15 years older than when he first played George Kirk. Uh, it would be weird now to flash back to your father and why he's so much older than he is the first time when he died. Well, that's how dreams go, I think. Good point. However, all that said, Hemsworth may still be in the mix. In a June interview with Vanity Fair, the actor said, if J.J. Abrams called me tomorrow and said, Chris Pine, and I want you to do it. Sorry, that was a little too James. That was, that's very Shatner-ish of that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We want you I'd, to do it. I'd probably say... Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, so, I think you'd also have to wonder why Chris, why why uh, George Kirk got so you know bulked up since he since he died. Right. Why are they holding that hammer? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see him as a fat Thor. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we've got a link here to the article on the Happy Sad Confused podcast where uh, Horowitz and Hem Hemsworth discuss Trek. And uh, Clinton is rapidly typing in that he's taking the next article. I am. Over to you, Clinton. The sausage is made. If you happen to find yourself in Lisbon, Ohio, over the next few days, why not check out the Stage Left Players presentation of A Star Trek Christmas? Hmm. Set in the era of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, this comedy appears to involve a plot by the Klingons to kidnap Santa Claus. Oh, boy. We have <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking this is like a mystery science theater movie, Santa versus the Martians or something. Well, it's, it's very interesting looking from the, the little <laughs> clips that they've got. Was this, was this one of those failed... Uh, attempts from Roddenberry where you know with uh, JFK uh, or Santa yeah, Claus or it's kind of, it's fans kind of like wrote the, in in 1972 with this storyline <laughs> you know Larry Nemechek said look we've got the scrap of paper that's all crossed out and they kind of digitally yeah. figured out what it said underneath from it. From the files yeah. of Gene Roddenberry comes <laughs> Santa Claus? Story. No JFK uh, <laughs> no, I think oh, it's a Barry? Santa Claus yeah <laughs> alright but you can uh, you can find the link to the uh, the the player's website, as well as a link to the trailer for this thing oh, over okay. for, in episode 128 hmm, is Okona, part of our Hana over at the topic is Trek.com. I'm going to look right now. Oh, wait, I got something. You've to got read. the story to read. That's right. So nominations have been announced by the critics choice association in the television categories and star Trek lower decks was nominated for the best animated series. The other nominees uh, in the category are bluey. Don't know about that. Bob's Burgers, I do know that. And um, Gidney Tartakovsky uh, Tart um, Primal and Harley Quinn and Undone, which I'm not familiar with that one either. This is the first uh, trek in the Critics' Choice Television Award, which began in 2011, so it's 10, 11 years old now. Uh, both the television and the movie Critics' Choice Awards We'll be broadcast live on the CW on Sunday, January fifteenth, two thousand and twenty-three. Wow, I, there's some there's some impressive names in there. I mean, Gendy has been around for a while, dude. Things oh yeah, like oh Lab, my gosh, I love that guy. He's, he's, yeah, he's he did tons of stuff of... on Cartoon Network. Right, right. Uh, some serious going on there. So to have Samurai, more Samurai decks Jack. right up there right now, like, right. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, we're, so this would be probably for the third season. So, 
Mm-hmm. That's also interesting that you've got a show that that comes in and it's not even its first time out of the gate and it's up for one of these things as its first time ever to be in that category. So I thought that was uh, pretty neat. Yeah, definitely. All right. That's a lot we covered in this episode, but we have links to 82 additional stories. In case you're suffering from insomnia or something. <laughs> you know what? You can tell that there's a resurgence in Star Trek because if you look at the number of extra links that we've had each each uh, each week or each time we record, it's gone from like three to now it's 82. Well, this is also four weeks worth of backlog too. But also, um, one of the things that I noticed was there seems to have been in the past couple of weeks a big increase in the number of articles about Prodigy. Like, people are finally um, you know, noticing that it's there. Oh, we have have a note here from, a couple of notes here from listener Diane. Uh, I've not been paying attention here. Do we have something? The, the first one was when we said, uh, when people remember how many times the original, the TOS bridge, the bridge. Has appeared on TV, she said, I think it's because we see it so many times in parodies. True enough. True enough. Yep. And then having lived and worked in Europe for 10 years, I can tell you that broadcast rights and cable licenses uh, are often controlled by governments as well as companies. Ah. Interesting. Yeah. You are watching State TV. Good night. Hey, by no, the way, Muslim squirrel. Uh, rever- referring to how many times about the parody that uh, she mentioned, uh, the first thing that comes into mind is SNL. You know, they yep. did that several yep. times. Oh, right. They've had the original bridge on there. I think they probably just have one, you know, in the back. They, they can dust <laughs> they just off wheel it out. It. They, they unfold it and tape it together. It's NBC. Cardboard. They might have it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. Maybe two. So now comes my favorite part of the show where I get to say <clears throat> goodbye, Charlie. I want to stay, 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 stay. Not on my watch. watch. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was, that was called for. I mean, uh, wait, what? Sorry, Charlie. There's no vacancy in the Enterprise. So let's come back from subspace chatter with an appropriate sound effect. <laughs> Good enough. Land, of course. Now we need another appropriate sound effect for our main mission. All right, Eric. Thanks. Fair enough. Really, really inspiring, there, buddy. So, talk about marathons. Who was? No one's talking about marathons. That's the horrible segue. We've got four episodes of Prodigy to get through. Four episodes. It's yep. been barreling along. Exactly. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, rather than our traditional, meaning the last couple of episodes, a point where we kind of outline the first half of the episode and then we talk about the episode overall. To help with our memory, it's going to be a, a brief mission briefing that talks about the entire episode. So there definitely will be spoilers in here. Mm-hmm. Or everything, including the episode that that aired this week. All right, so we're going to start off with Crossroads. All right. Now, here's our, our mission briefing on this one. Aboard the Dauntless, the Diviner's memory is still in shreds, but Ensign Essentia helps 
with with Ensign Asipa's associates, uh, that's hard to say. Ensign Asensia's help. How does Janeway do it? He is making progress. Caffeine. Uh, yeah, the oh, well, I should have some more. The Dauntless sets course for the planet Danaxi, right? Danaxi, that's it. Denaxi. Locate right. Lieutenant Barris Frex, an eyewitness to the Protostar's attack on the Federation relay station. Unfortunately, the Protostar has already arrived at Danaxi with a plan to keep everyone safe. The crew buries the Protostar under a triggered avalanche, then heads to Danaxi station, trying to find an alternative way to travel to Starfleet to warn them about the living construct. They team up with Thaddeus Okona, Thaddean, Thaddean, why does it have to be a Thaddean Okona, but then run into the Dauntless landing party and must flee the planet by retrieving the protostar. <laughs> the two ships reach the edge of the Romulan neutral zone just as Murph emerges from its cocoon. The Dauntless disables the protostar's third nacelle, but the ship is still able to enter the zone. The Dauntless remains at the border, facing down three Romulan warbirds. So I don't know about you guys, but I was not expecting the crew of the Dauntless and the crew of the Protostar to cross paths so quickly in the right. series. It feels like so quickly in the series. Sure. I would say closely. They were actually Basically. standing with one another at, yeah. at some points. So there were the, the, the main problem I had with this was they were standing so closely mm -hmm. is that uh, uh, Dow could actually have explained what was going on to Janeway without. And well, of course this season would be over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we also, we also have a uh, Jankum, you know, he runs into Dr. Noom who mm -hmm. is being a complete Tellerite, I think above and beyond the call of duty and insulting oh, Jankum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you get Jankum start to say why he's there. Cause he realizes that, you know, that the doctor is from Starfleet. He goes, Oh, I want to tell you, but hey, wait a minute. And then he starts going off on this other thing about being insulted. And yeah. so he doesn't get around to it. And then Dahl is being encouraged by Janeway to, you know, out with it. To, you know, what is it you want to say? And that's when all of a sudden he sees, you know, uh, Barnish Frex coming along and he gets out of there. So I, I think that they they tried to indicate that they were really close to being able to do it. But as, you know, um, Rock Talk said, you guys all talked to Starfleet and no one told them about the thing on the ship. Yeah. Right. Because you were right there. You, you, you were face to face. You didn't have to risk anything. But almost... would, they, would they have believed uh, mm -hmm. a bunch of kids? Uh, that's a great question. I don't, well, don't know. Later on, we find out in another episode, you know, Janeway's starting to piece it all kind of together. Well, she you know? does. And she goes, wait a minute. They're just kids. Mm -hmm. and Actually, so, I'm, there's several times in this. I'm like, why don't they just write her a note? You know? Well, <laughs> you'll see in the, well, in the latest episode, in episode, in episode 17, they tried sending a message in Morse code with phasers. Yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Lights oh, would have been so much better, I think. That's like that. shooting a gun at someone's feet. Bang, 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 bang. Did you get my message? <laughs> yeah. One clear. I said yeah. SOS, but you're it sorry said, about it your said foot. said dance, clearly. I... Dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, phasers? Um, why don't they just shoot a flashlight, you know, in the, at the... I don't know. I just, a couple of thumbs on, times I'm like, why don't they just write down a note and send out a little clear tube, you know, across a the... A message in a bottle type of thing? Yeah. 
I will. Well, to your point, then the show would be over. At that <laughs> yeah. The credits start rolling. Da, da, da. You, <laughs> that's it. you can't really do that. I was also surprised to see Zindi show up. We got reptilian Zindi. Yes. Several episode. times. Yep. And I was, you know, at first I thought, when did Zindi become part of the Federation? That seems a little too soon for that after having an entire war. But then I realized, well, they're not Their their security at this yeah. station and they're responding to Janeway's request to lock off the station, but mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily have to do it. Yeah. And I had, a, I had a question, you know, we have implied violence sometimes on the show and sometimes it's rather outright. And sometimes it's weirdly shown, but did Rock Talk kill one of the Zindis when she threw the box out of the um, out of the ship, and then suddenly it uh, you know the, uh, out of the skiff, yeah. and when the speeders like exploded. Um, I th- I th- I would think so. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember back on that exactly, but uh. Yeah, could have been because the I mean, typically some... you would have one of those things like in a a PG movie. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you then have the like the person get up and kind of be all woozy. Yeah, you yeah. Know. They, like they land on their face and they look up. You know, at the you know like what happened? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, probably more than likely. Uh, we're gonna pause for a second here because um, Chuck has dropped out of the out of the show here. He fell off the ether. He says, looks like I lost connections. I'm not sure if he's able to get back in. So jump back in. So we will, we will carry on uh, while we wait for. uh, Obviously he didn't lose a hundred percent connection. He sent us a message. That's true. Yes. I sent you a message saying I have no internet. Wait a minute. What? Why doesn't he just send us a written message in a bottle? Why not? (laughs) Because then the show would be over at that point. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I have a couple of memorable lines from this one. This one, uh-huh. I, have the, I have the most notes about this one, which kind of surprised me. But when they get to the edge of the neutral zone and they're going to go in and Janeway says, no, we can't do that. And uh, Jenkins Pog says, what's the big deal? It's neutral. It's right there in the name. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I've thought about that, that, and I forget whether we mentioned it or not, but the, the Romulans, always go right up to the edge of the neutral zone. Yeah. You know, whereas the Federation state, so it's like, well, why not have it be a neutral line? Because clearly (laughs) don't cross this line. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Yeah. It does seem like they always approach the edge. I mean, they, they, I think they always kind of push boundaries a little bit, even in, uh, previous star trek series they did that yeah it seems I, to me it seems to me they did so i think they got the better end of the deal in those negotiations to <laughs> set up the neutral zone it's like yeah it's mostly ours but you know we're going to call it a zone a zone that's right and um i asked bonnie this question mm-hmm. i said bon- who's bonnie yeah my wife bonnie don't. yeah uh i said is murph's new form cute so before I get her answer for it, what did you think of of morphosized uh, Murph, your transfigured Morph? Murph. The new one that's walking around on legs and arms. Yes, arms. yes. 
I think I actually like it a little bit better. Hmm. Um, now that I'm starting to get used to it, and you've seen a couple episodes now, so um, yeah, I think so. Rather than just being a big kind of slime ball. Yeah, she she said that she thought cute. She seemed cuter, but definitely <laughs> was was cute. So, oh. um, um, what was the um, what was on the Jetsons? What was that? Uh, oh, was that, that little uh, fuzzy thing's name. Yes, not, I've mentioned not Astro, of course, out. but ah, uh, oh, I can't remember what it. That's what the that's what Murph reminds me of. Not yeah, Astro. Yeah. I keep. I, I um, but I know what you mean. It's got yeah. It's I forget it was an alien. Well. Aliens kind of redundant on the Jetsons, I suppose, but <laughs> that's right. Uh, not shopping Google. I was going to try to pull up. Um, so Chuck, while while Craig is looking that up, your Orbity. opinion is Orbity. new Murph cute. Um, I yeah, I I think so. I I'd say yes. I mean, cuter than the than the old slug Murph. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, is it was there, a plus. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean they 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 gave Murph bigger eyes to give it that cute factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure about that little floating blob above the head and what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little halo. Or uh, it was Orbity who from the Jetsons that had like right. kind of spring. Like that's what uh, Murph reminds me of a little bit because of the big eyes and stuff. Not quite as fuzzy, but still. Yeah, yeah. We'll have lovable kind of. Yeah. Have kind of fuzzy creatures in a little while on the show. Yeah, but I, I do kind of like the. What about you, Clinton? Um, I don't like the new Murph. I I feel like I, I I've had problems with the arms and the legs being so disproportionate to the mm-hmm. body. It it is it just didn't strike me as an upgrade, if you will. It, it felt like if that had been the original version of. Murph, I really wouldn't have liked it. And the fact that you go from something that's kind of cute to something that now we don't know. This could be an intermediary stage to something else. I mean, we need three, four or five of these things over the course of the show. Yeah. And you would think the Federation would have some, have some, since they use it as a slur in Star Trek, they'd have that they'd know what the stages are of this. You know, well, and I didn't really, I haven't really given given it a whole lot of thought until you actually asked me. But I remember thinking, oh, the new Murph's kind of cute uh, before you even asked. And I, so when you asked me, I don't really, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit on, you know, ambivalent. I don't really, I'm not really sure. I got a, a strong opinion, but it's all right. Okay. And do you guys feel like me that they seem to lean really heavy into Star Wars and that first approach to, Denoxy Station and their encounter with um That's no moon. Okona that you know it's like, oh, this is <laughs> oh, a place where you kind of put these 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 villains and he's kind of yeah. like, oh, you need passage yeah. and blah 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 blah. Yep. Well, yep. I'll tell you as, as just as uh as a side note, you know, on the a Star Wars series that we've been seeing, like Andor and all that, when they have these uh real people in real places that are not Jedi or they're not, you know, they're actually people living under the thumb of the empire kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool to see uh real people 
in the Star Trek universe. Because, well, you know, nine times out of ten, we're seeing somebody in Starfleet. They're on a nice clean ship somewhere and actually seeing. Well, we've seen this in Discovery a little bit when they went to um, uh, Klingon or uh, Kronos and um, I think another planet. Oh, uh, well, uh, in Lower Decks, when they went to uh, Orion. Listener Diane says, I think of him as the Groot of Star Trek. <laughs> That's, a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Indeed, indeed. I am Murph. <laughs> <laughs> what he said. But I, I, right. I do like seeing real people that are living outside of the norm you know, that we normally see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What, uh, if it had been an hour episode, we probably would have seen more of just day-to-day stuff going on in the station. Mm-hmm. It kind of moved rather quickly through there Yeah, uh, for purposes of time. <laughs> Then, of course, we'll get into it a little bit more, but then, then you got Thaddeon. Right. <laughs> so let's um, <laughs> let's let's give a rating on Crossroads. And Six I'm gonna, million. I'm gonna, no, stop that. And it's going to be on Reptilian Zindi. One to ten re- Reptilian Zindis. Oh. So I will start with Chuck since he's back with us again. Yeah, I had like an internet brownout for a little while. <laughs> rolling brownouts on the internet. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't completely dead, but it was mostly dead, not enough to hold up a live stream. So we're gonna have to do something interesting and get the audio to you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one to ten Zindi. I'm gonna give this one a seven. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was fascinating. Moved the story along. Uh there like you said, they they came face to face with Janeway and you know couldn't spit it out came face to face with the doctor couldn't spit it out it's like well, just <laughs> and then murph finally you know puts a fine point to it like what what happened uh, so it, it was a little frustrating in that aspect uh, you know they conveniently parked underneath an avalanche prone area was a little suspicious <laughs> And they can control those avalanches really well. We'll we'll just yeah we'll just yeah it, it, it avalanches right next to them and buries the ship. Well, that takes care of that. And you can always fly a ship out of an avalanche, you know, because it only sets like concrete. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, right. it, there were there were a few suspicious things, but you know, overall, not bad. All right, uh, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go the same. I I found it a very serviceable serviceable episode. Yep. I felt like. Though to me that meeting of the of the two crews, it just to me felt early. It felt it came mm-hmm. too early in a run that we know is going to be at least forty episodes. Um, now, how much of the story in season two might be a different thing, I don't know. But it just almost almost was like a a season ender of having that reach that point, and it was very rushed through for the reasons we've talked about. So it was a good episode and it sets up some things, but I, I wouldn't call it an outstanding episode. And what about you, Craig? Um, I'm going to uh, kind of go in the same direction. I'm going to say seven also. However, uh, there were some problems I have with it. One, like we said, they were walking away from the ship, like they were going to leave it. You know, there was a reason why they were putting it in the in the ice. No one would walk find away it. from. Yep, yeah, they were going to walk away from it, and then they ended up two minutes later going right back looking for it. 
you know, to get back into it. How long um, does they out? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, maybe we should. Not, your your coffee's not cold yet, Jane. Really? Yeah. How, is that a clue? <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you said, they met, each crew met each other. Uh, I don't know if it's too early because there's only like, there is only, in this season, there's uh, 20 episodes. So um, I think it's about right, but they could have explained some things. It just seemed to like, maybe that's the reason why it seems like it, they met each other too early. Cause they could have explained it right there and at least started the, um, uh, the resolution part of it. Anyway. So I'm going to go uh seven. I thought it was pretty good again. And I like the, the social aspect of star Trek outside of the normal stuff we normally see. And we get the Voyager theme. Yeah. Yeah, you did. All right. So let's move on to our next episode, Masquerade. Uh, you want to take this one, Chuck? Sure. Uh, Dal has grown jealous of Okana, specifically because it's not, it, it's something that's not being helped by him being able to suggest a starport, Noble Isle, as a place for the protostar to visit and get repaired. Once at the planet, the away team uses a space elevator to reach the city on the surface to look for parts. They also... Our, uh, accompany Okana as he visits one of his clients, Dr. Jago. Well, Jago is a geneticist specializing in cutting-edge scientific experimentation. And as they explain, that's usually why it's banned. Mm -hmm. So Jago is able to identify Dahl as the handiwork of protégés of, yes, we're bringing the Sung family back into the picture once again. Dr. Eric Sung, created through the process called Artificial Hybrid Speciation. It turns out that Dahl has an element of in him, plus the recessive traits of 26 species, including, among others, Vulcan, Proto-Organian, Klingon, Tellurite, and Andorian. Despite cautions from the others, Dahl secretly agrees to let Jago activate the traits, giving him abilities associated with each species. Elsewhere on the ship, meanwhile, back on the ship, uh, via subspace transmission, Admiral Jellicoe, we bring Jellicoe back. Yeah. And he's as surly as ever. Cheerful. He was dead. Bring him back. He's, he's even surly on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He orders Vice Admiral Janeway to stay out of the neutral zone. Peace negotiations with the Romulans are going well, and an incursion could derail the talks. Oh, we're having peace negotiations again. Uh, he tell he does tell Janeway that if the Romulans attempt to steal the protostar, blow it up, get rid of it. Well, Romulan Tal Shiar agents do attempt to steal the protostar, but find they need the ship's captain to unlock its controls. While Akana slinks away, Dahl and Murph are able to fight off the agents as the elevator cars they are traveling in head skyward towards the protostar. With her intel limited, Janeway fires on the protostar. However, once it is clear that the crew has escaped the Romulans, she orders the torpedoes diverted. The close call forces Ensign Asensia to reveal her true nature to the Diviner. And our big reveal of the episode. Uh, I had seen interviews with um, the actress, and she hinted that there was more for Asensia to do <laughs> later on in the season. So I don't think I had already missed up to that point that she would have these little asides or little kind of 
why is she so intent on helping the diviner type of thing? And right, sneaking into his quarters. Like, hey, uh, time for your therapy session again. I'm sorry, it's an appropriate time. Inappropriate. So, yeah. So I, I didn't. <laughs> it wasn't as as big of a shock as it might have been, but it was still. I think was also interesting to note that you can make dreadnought into a coffee table if need be. <laughs> so are we going to come up with now dreadnought coffee table books? Yes, right. exactly. Guess what's available on StarTrek.com. Yeah, for... <laughs> Just fold it out. There you go. Yeah. He's, he's now a uh, transformer. Not yeah. a good one, but he's a transformer. <laughs> Not very useful to be transforming into a coffee was, table. Was that the Diviner's dreadnought or was that no, the no. dreadnought? She, um, the, Everybody had one. The um, what's what is it? They say the vindicator. The vindicator. She said that everyone left with their own dreadnought. Ah, that's it. Okay. Yeah, they kind of split up. Yep. Right. They all look exactly the same, but yeah, you have um, this dread. You know, the next episode, I think it is. You know, he's he's kind of figuring out that the Medusa has wiped um the diviner's mind. And I'm sure seeing that I'm sure seeing a dreadnought is also helping him kind of things click in his head. Can you really come back from seeing a Medusa? Well, I'm concerned. To, I'm thinking this whole thing is a little suspicious. Well, we've 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 talked about that. That it's possible that it depends on the way one's mind is wired. What the effect of seeing a Medusa might be? He was pretty much a drooling basket case. He he was. But was that kind of an initial shock of this encounter? And as it started to subside, more of his memories were slowly getting coming to the surface. And what Essencia is doing is a sense just hurrying that process along. And things like him seeing the protostar mm. helps him remember, you know, more about what's what happened to him. Different species, different brain wiring, yeah. different plasticity. Yeah. Well, that's true too. Yeah. Um, there was a panel in this episode when uh, Jago is trying to ascertain who Dal is, you know, what the makeup of Dal is. And it was interesting because the internet and lots of people in the, the Star Trek world were saying, oh, well, look, all these things that that Dal is made from, a Bajoran, a Breen, a Cardassian, a Ferengi, a Gorn, a Herogen, a uh, Kazon, you know, Orion, or, or, or Riemann, Horizon, Romulan. Uh, species he's even got Riemann in there. Space species eight four seven two. Suliban. He's, he's one of those. He's one of those seed people that you know they had to collect and put together the Taksu Tot thing together. So what happened is that the uh, the I think it was I think he wrote this episode. Anyway, one of the people in the production staff said the panel that you see are the things that she's trying to match up to his DNA. And it doesn't mean that he's got all that stuff. It's just that, you know, she, she calls out a couple of things specifically that seem to be like a positives for what his makeup is, but not everything on that screen. Like one of the symbols looks like a Q and people saying, well, how did you get that? Um, but it seems like they didn't get that he doesn't have any cue in him no but he does have brain so he can <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was doing when he's like doing those guttural sounds he was trying to do his brain imitation 
uh, it was interesting to to have this fact that he's got some of these uh, different genes, but apparently the gene immediately trans transmits the ability to be really good at the thing that that species is good at. Right. Because he's really good at, you know, leaping in the air and avoiding uh, the Romulan disruptor fire or, you know, mm-hmm. the fire and all this kind of stuff without any training in doing that stuff. I don't think that's really how it works when you have no. those genes. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, and what did we make of Okona just saying, peace out? I'm leaving. Oh, <laughs> well, I I thought that was a weird, uh, and I was like, I expected him to come back, but he didn't. Yeah, he did. I was like, no, wow. yeah, he's, he's always been kind of a rogue in for himself. Well, my other question is why did the Talshiar just let him walk away? You know what he reminds me of? One of those little side characters you saw at like the, um, the, at the Renaissance festival. <laughs> he's the mud eater. <laughs> <laughs> The poop smith? <laughs> yeah. Something. I don't know. Just seems like one of those rogue characters you meet at the uh, Renaissance Festival. Uh we That have... was weird though. That was weird that he just all right, see ya. Yeah, I okay. I, 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 I felt Especially like... after as much as he was he started getting invested with everybody, you know, really making his way in, and then Dow was getting jealous a little bit. And also at that point, all right, see ya. He demanded a pay raise so the writers had to adjust. Yeah, well, <laughs> we got to get this after, guy out of here. We don't want to kill after, him off. Really, they were um, they were playing up before he made his appearance. Oh, you know, look, he, you know, Okona is back, and blah 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 blah. Okay, he's in two episodes, and the second one is not what I would call a stellar exit. No, from the episode, <laughs> right. it was like it was like um, the episode of Simpsons where they had. Uh, Poochie the dog. <laughs> Poochie, yeah, God. <laughs> and he's like, now with you. Oh, I have to go back to my home planet. And you see the cell get pulled out of the frame. <laughs> right. oh, or it's kind of like it's kind of like he's doing the meme of you know, like Homer Simpson just fading back into the bushes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else we we want to say about this episode? Because this this is. This one I don't have as many notes on. No, I don't know. but now I want to see Poochie show up in Prodigy. Well, that's we different. successfully tied the Simpsons to the topic of track. <laughs> oh, I did. I did uh, hey, want to know. Go. go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I see a quote from Poochie. Catch you on the flip side, uh, dude. Meisters, not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that should so that should have been his exit line, rather than yeah, yeah. to found each other. Type I of think thing. that was actually the same quote that. Uh, Thadian or Thadian said, right? Mm. Pretty close. Um, <laughs> we've we've now we've now apparently made it a thing. If you see something that looks like a space elevator, you're gonna do a skydive from Yes, it. and you have to go dive head first as fast yeah. as possible. I gotta go into oh, a yeah. tuck. Yep. That's right. It started, it started with the drill. Yep. Then we had it on lower decks. Yeah, not that long ago, and now we've got it here on Prodigy. So, if you see something that looks like a sky elevator, you know there's going to be a jump. Oh yeah, all right. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let's let's rate this. Let's move along. We got still got two episodes to talk about. All right. So mm-hmm. let's rate this on uh, Tal Shiaire red shirts because apparently they just that's 
That's how strong the Tusk Shire is. They can just be taken out by, by Murph and Dahl. We're in, entire... we're in an economic downturn, okay? They have they had to make some layoffs, and this is what they got. I see. The whole I'll say, yeah. The entire Star Trek universe is subject to red shirts. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I guess they'd be green shirts if they're Romulans, but the Klingons right. got Alexander. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And all Worf got with this lousy t-shirt. Okay. So, Craig, what do you rate Masquerade? Um, I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of neat that we finally got a little reveal on Dahl. And uh, as we talked about in the last episode, things kind of moved forward a little bit. Uh, we saw where Janeway's ready to, you know, pull the trigger if she has to, um, even though she was reluctant to, but she was going to do it. Um, I gave this a seven and a half. Okay, interesting. Um, I liked the episode. I didn't love the fact that I I understand why it happened, but by Dallas, you know, just because he had the genes didn't mean he was suddenly going to take on the vocabulary and have all the, the mad skills at fighting. You know, those are things that if you had those genes, you could train yourself to be better at those type of things. But yeah. Do you think you a know, Klingon baby is going to be born using a batleth? Well, no, you got to train. Vulcans you train. have to go to school. Yeah, Vulcans yeah. have to be trained in logic and controlling their emotions. Actually, yeah, and he was was not doing a very good job at controlling his emotions. So well, I was I, on side sneaking through. Yeah, I'm gonna rate this one. I think I'm gonna stick with the seven, just like the last episode. I felt like again it was another serviceable episode. Mm-hmm. You know, fair follow up to what we had in the last episode of what they had to do, but it's almost like. Dahl getting his answer was kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Again, I felt like with a with a show that's got forty episodes minimum, they seem to be rushing 40. sometimes to get through something. So, but they got wait a minute. You, you said that before. You're talking about the two because right, they've got they've got two seasons. Got season one and right. season two. We're yeah. still on season one. Mm-hmm. All right. And what about you, Chuck? I'm going to agree with you. Seven serviceable. Yeah, and Jellico. Jellico. <laughs> I don't know if we'll see more of Jellico either. Or also Jellico. <laughs> and Jellico. All right. Next one. And Toto 2. Okay, Craig, this one's for you. All right. This Preludes. is entitled Preludes. Janeway learns the identities of the crew of the Protostar via a bounty placed on the unwanted by the Diviner. Still within the neutral zone, the crew tries to repair the auxiliary warp drives so they can perform a proto-jump and evade the USS Dauntless on the way out of the neutral zone. Taking a break from the from the work, Rock Talk, Jacob, Pog, and Zero all relate their stories about how they ended up on Tars Lamor. Lamora, excuse me. The tales serve as just to demonstrate to Dahl that everyone has things about their past that are unpleasant. Rock Talk had to play the part of the monster in a staged entertainment. Zero was captured by the Kazon. I don't know why those people bug me whenever I see that those that species. It's their hair, uh, yeah, it's the hair, it's the hair. Uh, while a group of Medusans, uh, they, uh, while a group of Medusans were there to explore the planet, Jacob that Pog sacrificed ET, himself. Was that? That felt yeah. very ET. Yeah, they're all touching. They're all touching the plants. They're all floating around in this happy, harmonious, and then the, his, the you know, most of them take off in the home mothership and 
One's like Peace out. Peace out. Yeah. They, they pulled an O'Connor. And Jacob, yeah. And Jake and Pog sacrificed himself to save the rest of the Tellarites on a sleeper ship. Well, that was entertaining. Uh, that had been sent out before the Federation was formed. And Murph said, you know, something like that. Uh, likewise, aboard the Dauntless, uh, Ascensia, uh, also known as the Vindicator, and her dreadnought tried to clear up the coffee table, try to clear up the diviner's mind by retelling. <laughs> it's an IKEA dreadnought. You have to put it together yourself. Oh, right. to do it wrong. Uh, why is the arm up here? It's um, not dreadnought. It's dreadnought. It's a missing eye over here. Well, I can't. Yeah. So uh, they try to clear the diviner's mind by retelling the story of how they all ended up in the Solomon's past. Everybody's telling a story about themselves in this episode. Mm-hmm. She explains how the protostar arrived at their home world by accident. Oops. How the ship was weaponized and how Chakotay and other, the other crew member sent the ship back through the wormhole. And here we are. So Vice Admiral Janeway decides to confront the being they rescued on Tars Lamora about the unwanted, considering his daughter is one of them. However, when she surprises Incencia, the diviner does some quick Kirk Fu <laughs> double fist <laughs> punch. Incapacitate Janeway. Yeah. Chop chop. Yeah. You can defeat that with a double fist punch. Well, she she was caught by surprise, so she couldn't she couldn't respond in time. Yeah. All right. This was a very entertaining episode and, and very insightful. I backstory time. We knew yeah. it was coming. And it was very surprising that we got all the backstories. Right. Again, this idea of feeling rushed, but we, you know, I, I felt that the episode moved along at a good pace and we had some surprises about backstory. Um, one thing we didn't find out is we didn't find out, well, how did Rock Tuck end up in this entertainment thing? Where, where were the, her parents, you know, there's, so there's still a mystery about how she ended up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did get to find out the most important question, the answer to the question ever. Why does Jenkin Pog always use his own name? And yeah. <laughs> we found <laughs> out. Funny. Yes, we did. Because uh, if he didn't use his name, the, the intelligence on the ship would not respond to his queries. Yeah, he got tired of answering the question, so he just said his name to begin with. And we really have no idea how long he was doing that. You know, it's one of these things just like no. with um with he Rock didn't look Talk, exhausted at the end. He's like, oh I gotta fix that too. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fix that toilet and all of a sudden, oh yes he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh that was, Jacob, that was Jacob, the worst I'm AI. That that robot was the worst AI. <laughs> some some programmer got an F in comp sci yeah, class for that one. <laughs> really, every single time you got to say the name of the person, really, to respond to anything. That's who thought of that as a thing. Um, and yeah, to your to your point, it's the the other Medusans um, left zero behind. Didn't nobody sensed the the uh, the Kazons there. Nobody sensed that Zero was in trouble. They all, I I couldn't tell if they booked it out of there knowing that Zero was in trouble or whether they just, they were leaving anyway and they just, they just left it because they, they just kind of 
went. Yeah. It didn't do like a head count or a cloud count or whatever one would do with the Medusin. It it just seemed a little a little cruel. strange. <laughs> yeah, cruel. Yeah, definitely cruel. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I didn't know what the use would be for catching them. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. We did get to see uh, Zero put into the exact same type of box that yeah. uh, is in the original series episode. Yep. I noticed that as well. The you know that that box with the slit. I, I'm curious to know how the Kazon came up with the technology to capture a Medusa. You know, with those uh, you know cattle prod sticks. Yeah, weren't they weren't they uh, in Enterprise kind of um, you know technology list? They they needed something. They they couldn't even get off the planet. Uh, well, in Voyager, right? I think you said Enterprise. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Voyager. I apologize. Yeah. Right. And so and has, they couldn't really get they couldn't get on the planet. They were one of the. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody. Well, somebody might have come along and give them some tech. I suppose. Here, have these cattle prods. What are they good for? Catching the deucins? Oh, great. Don't forget to wear your glasses. Why? What will happen? Oh, you'll find out. Don't worry about it. Well, we, did, we I, I guess in all fairness, we did see some cases on in space on Voyager later on, but um, but it seems like they were they were one of those races that were kind of stealing everybody's tech, right? Mm. Um, we Every also time. we also got this long backstory what took up a chunk of the episode where the vindicator explains now we we kind of mostly had pieces together from things that they had said before we didn't know that a hundred of them were sent out though well we also didn't know how chakotay ended up there right because he, he goes through the the ship goes through the wormhole and ends up in he the was trying to put the ship in some ice so that it would be safe but that's right. I'm just if kidding. only was... he had gotten to a different planet. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Miscalculation, sir. <laughs> and I, and I wish we had seen, maybe we will see more of the, um, I couldn't tell first officer, just another crewman, but the, a uh, bird, the, the bird Eagle, member. Right, yeah. right. I don't know if it's a member of that same race that we saw. As Megley Moo. No. He's behind everything. Yes. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, wow. Megley Boo's got a relative on the bridge. Good for him. <laughs> or, or the bird race from the. Well, that's, that's what I was going for from the animated series. Uh, no, I was going for the oh. one from from Lower Decks where the whole planet was bird people. Oh, right, right. If everything li- if yeah, is in the right. sky, like sky snakes. Why, why did we just say I call them snakes? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. We need, we need, we need Lower Decks back. Uh, now, we don't really know who that was, but yeah, that was a rewind moment for me too. Like, what did I just see? Yep, yep, sure enough. Yeah. Um, I was noting here that when you start to analyze it, the Valnicut's story is very much like Nero's story from Star Trek 2009, right? They're now mm-hmm. in the past. And Nero's mission is to it's destroy every planet in the Federation. They, before they come and destroy him. Yeah, you're right. I I picked up on the same thing as soon as they did the time travel back. I went, hey, wait a sec. This is sounding really familiar. But the thing yeah. is that what Nero did wouldn't solve anything as far as, I mean, yeah, you could get rid of the entire Federation 
it won't stop things from exploding. You know, the, the star is still going to go supernova. Right. Right. So unless unless you can also say, hey, everybody has to leave the planet by, you know, X date. And they believe we got 25 minutes, people. I've been telling you this for 30 years. You haven't listened. Haven't listened over 100 years. Of yeah, this. that was the, that was my that was my big problem with that movie uh, is that you're right. He could have gone to the uh, Romulus and said, hey, look, this happened before. It's going to happen again. Get lost. You know, get off the planet. Well, I guess it's not that easy, right? Right. Hey, believe me, I'm not crazy. <laughs> and that reminds me, the um, the peace negotiations with the Romulans, I believe what's going on there, uh, the thing that Jellicoe was talking about in the previous episode, I believe those are negotiations that have to do with the evacuation. Um, so this is kind of like tying into Picard's story in that regard. Um, so that's kind of, I, I think, cause there's, um, an Instagram feed where you're getting Janeway's logs about stuff. And I, and I seem to think that oh, she was saying like, yeah. Jean-Luc would never forgive me if I you know went into the neutral zone. Um, so I think that they're tied in, in that way together. Mm -hmm. Although the Romans don't, the Romans seem very intent on still, you know, not letting anybody through the, through the neutral zone at this point, because I guess they haven't worked that out yet. Don't cross this line. That's right. The, the neutral line. Don't get on the other side of it. You don't have all That's the right. Paramount Plus content over here. Right. There's your line. All right. Just trying to tie it back. Right. Stay with me. Anyone yeah. else with any additional thoughts on preludes? Yeah. Um, you can only fight Kirk Fu with Karate. TK. Right. Oh, karate. Well, again, you have to be you have to be turned around and facing your enemy. If they come at you from behind. Oh. And I, I think mind. it's pronounced karate kai. <laughs> yeah. And uh I hadn't noticed before because I guess there was no context in which to notice it, but it wasn't this episode. It was a uh, I think it was the one before that. The diviner is really tall. Those people are like seven feet tall. Yeah, they did seem tall. He's towering over everybody else in that scene. And essentially it's like holding him. So he's not even standing completely upright and he's towering over them. So I didn't realize they were that. But like I said, if, if you're only seeing them yeah. or creatures that aren't human, it's like I, I have no scale to go by here. So that was that was interesting to note. All right, we're going to rate this on, I'm going to say... One to ten flashbacks, because we got lots and lots of flashbacks. <laughs> ah, flashbacks. So, Chuck, you start us off. One to ten flashbacks, I preludes. I, I like this from the, uh, the, the origin stories. You're right. There were still some gaps that needed filling in. Uh, I'm going to give it eight flashbacks. I thought it, it had some substance that, that really filled in. It, it's, it's well, well into season one. Uh, I thought we were going to get them, you know, kind of piecemeal. It's like, in this episode, we find out what Rock Talk's backstory is. Nope, we got it full on. Mm -hmm. uh, then there were some humorous moments as well. Uh, I liked this one. I'll give it eight. Yeah. Uh, I liked it as well. Um, I'm trying to think, do I want to go time between 7.5 and eight? Um, yeah, I'm going to go eight on it as well. I liked it for the same reasons that, um, that Chuck was talking about. I also did not expect to have it all together. But I felt like it worked. It was the stories were short, right? 
mm-hmm. and you get the gist of what the issue was. The one that I felt the most rushed was the explanation about Chicote coming back to the wormhole and all that stuff. Uh, I agree. Very easy to kind of get lost. I still think in. they're kind of saving that. Yeah, I think they're saving that a little bit. You know, some of that. Yeah, you're right. I think we'll get more about that later on. Mm-hmm. All right, what about you, Craig? I'm also going to give it an eight for the same reasons you guys said. I'm not going to repeat everything. I thought it was good. I like the backstories, especially Jake, Jacobs. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel this pain. <laughs> for not being allowed to Fix time travel, they, they <sighs> sure are, you know, loosey goosey with sending things through wormholes into the past and whatnot. It, well, it was it was an accident. Uh, although uh, I guess on Chicote's part. He did it on purpose to send the protostar back. Right. But they got there by accident. I don't think they were intending to go into the future. I'm seeing Star Trek in general. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know that was that that I'm, edict that uh, she didn't want time travel, and then it's like temporal okay, accord, temporal schmaccord, whatever. Yeah. Where are those guys? Do they you know, do after, any good? You know, after all they went through on Voyager, you think they'd be like, "Oh, we're back to Earth. This, I'm not leaving this place." That's right. <laughs> yeah. Stand I don't want to take any not chances. Leave my, not leaving my bedroom. Yes. Well, he, right. attached a, he attached a really, really long string to the protostar before he left. Yeah. I'll be able to find my way back. <laughs> Sorry. Dropping crumbs. Canceling <laughs> <laughs> Gretel in <Yeah>. space. <laughs> Great. All right. And our last episode yeah. is Ghost in the Machine. The protostar crew is using the holodeck to figure out a way to leave the neutral zone while evading the Romulans and the Dauntless. But every attempt fails, and they begin to lose hope that they can ever join Starfleet. The group bonds over some ice cream, then split up to get some rest. That's when strange things start happening aboard the ship. Strange music and random holodeck characters roaming the corridors. Then the crew finds themselves Mm. in a mystery-solving simulation that Zero has used. She suggests that they never left the holodeck. Hmm. Hologram Janeway reports that a disruption disruption in subspace could be interfering with the ship's functions. She will attempt to correct it so they are trapped inside the holodeck. Everyone decides to make the most of the situation and play Zero's Cellar Door Society program. Everyone except Jankum Pog, that is. Zero points out that if they solve the scenario's mystery, the exit arch should appear. But each clue leads to a more complex puzzle and a deeper merging of everyone's individual recreational holodeck programs. And the safety protocols have been disabled. Dun, dun, dun. Dal gives Hologram Janeway that never his happens. command code. Yeah, no, never, ever. Dal gives Hologram Janeway his <laughs> command code so she can work on higher level functions on the ship and work to reestablish the safety protocols. Slowly, Zero begins to suspect there is a purpose to all of this, eventually realizing that they nev- that the never-ending clues are a ruse to keep the crew on the holodeck. They surmise that they can only escape by refusing to play. The only <laughs> way to War win games. the game <clears throat> is not to play at all. Right, war exactly. game. Right. When the scenario ends... Hologram Janeway enters. Zero reasons that unknowingly Janeway has been manipulated by the ship's core directive to reach Starfleet. Janeway has used Dahl's command codes to set the protostar on a path towards Earth. The ship leaves the neutral zone and comes face to face with the Dauntless. And my first question is, they've come face to face with the protostar. Has anyone tried to contact Janeway when this is going on? And presumably they can't get in touch with her? Because we don't see, we don't get a follow up to what's happening to Janeway. 
right. She got Kirk food. Which one? The Admiral, Vice Admiral. Yeah, Vice Admiral Janeway. Okay. The real one. Okay. Right. So we don't see her at all this entire episode, and you get to the point where the two ships. So I'm guessing that that's you're not in command. Right. So she's not in command. And I think, well, well, firing and why? Because certainly the diviner would not be firing on the protostar. He wants that ship to get to Earth to make contact, whatever. Right. Well, here's here's a a scenario. Here's a possibility. Since we know that um, the Vindicator can morph. Does she morph into Janeway? And mm, I, thought of that. I thought it was like a, it was either Vindicator or Essencia, but you're right. Maybe, or maybe morph into Murph, or turn into a coffee table. Yeah, a Murph morph. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Morph into a coffee table. So I, because I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> surely at this point they would be, if if the captain wasn't on the bridge, they would be, you know, summoning the captain to the bridge at this point. Shape of a bucket of water. <laughs> yeah. Not the Wonder Twins. That's right. Form of an eagle. We do get to find out that Murph can sing, or as Zero says, is really, really good at lip syncing. Yeah. That probably right. cracked me up. Yeah. I um watch out, Vic Fontaine. Fly yeah. me to the moon. <laughs> I was hoping that the piano would be the same one that we saw that um Odo was playing in the episode yeah. where he was playing the piano, but that one has a giant nameplate in the middle of above the keyboard that says mentor. And there's no such nameplate on that piano. I thought, ah, Mr. You look. There. Yeah, it'd and be cool. Jumped so inside we... the piano. I'm like we, we we jumped inside the piano. Why? It's string theory. See this Oh, but oh wait, wait, where is it? It becomes spaghettified. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Yeah. Tip <laughs> your waiter. I noticed a your one, server. Weird, one weird thing in, we'll call it the mock Vic Fontaine's, although it was what the, um, uh, the key, what was the name of the, the, the club? Uh, the key club. The key, yeah, the key club. Mm-hmm. Of course it was. Uh, that <laughs> I was like, what are you asking? Okay. They're, they're searching all the tables. Now they're in black and white mode. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like which I'm sure all the young people watching the show are going to be really into, but, um, <laughs> So they're they're going table to table, and they get to a table where one of the various Doctor Noons is because he's like every single character in this thing. He's got a briefcase on the table. Now they open up the briefcase, and there's gold plus latinum inside. And they they slam it down, but that shot is so fast that if you didn't know what it was already, you couldn't tell, and if you don't know what it is. There's no clue because it's in black and white. You don't get to see that the thing is gold. Oh, yeah. So I think that's going to be completely baffling to anyone that doesn't know what gold plus press latinum looks like. Because it was just like open, close. <laughs> this is a, a briefcase full of decks of cards. What is it? <laughs> yeah, right. Got some bricks in there. I don't know. What, what's clay? That? Got some clay in there. Yeah, it's a bunch of. Flattened dreidels? I don't know what, what's happening in there. I don't know. Right. I hate that counterfeit dreidel salesman. Right. But I, I happened to uh, to tweet to the uh, the Hageman brothers that they used a Trek trope this week because it's, you know, it feel like it's a rite of passage now on Trek to have 
a holodeck accident. And so the, right. this crew is now experienced, although technically it wasn't, yet it was. I mean, the ship. It was outside forces was, that were acting on that hol- holodeck. So I don't know if I would really say it was, falls into the trope trope. Like we know, because Jane, well, I mean, it was Hollow Jane was, like, was screwing with it. Yeah, it was a holodeck accident, but on purpose, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Because, yeah, Janeway had everybody trapped uh, in there, and uh, so we have this. Uh, the name of the episode being "Ghost in the Machine" would make uh, would would lead one to believe, since it's called "Ghost in the Machine," which is a reference to like. Artificial, one of the reasons, one of the uh, definitions, artificial intelligence kind of hiding inside of something else. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether that's implying that Janeway is kind of being rendered almost inoperable because she can clearly be compromised by the AI overriding what her intentions are. Like her intentions were not to trap the crew in there and set a course for Earth. But the ship took over, or the you know the the construct took over, and just had her do it anyway. I then also thought that up until this point, I was thinking, okay, every single human or adult had let the kids down, or had they had a bad interaction with, except for hologram Janeway, and they just had that rug pulled out from underneath them. Yep. I thought, well, that, that's kind of crappy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they have no one, uh, <laughs> Chuck keeps popping in and out of this, this yeah, no. his internet is clearly running, being run by a, he's, a, he's a switching joke. between timelines, uh, you know. Oh, that's right. He's crossed into the neutral line. Um, yeah, that's right. So, uh, what was I, what was I saying in this episode? What was, what my thought was at that point? I can't, re- can't recall what it was. It was very profound, but I can't. Yeah, remember. I'm sure it was deep. It was really, really deep, <laughs> really, really deep. But just as you know, I'm watching the screen as well. And all of a sudden, Chuck's screen starts to go dark, and then he just kind of walks yeah, on just out. disappears. Man, doesn't he know we had a show to do? I guess so. I yeah. did. I did have a couple of lines I thought were interesting in here. One of them was, um, "Dal says, did we just get a music soundtrack?'" <laughs> and it was odd in the yeah. episode because. The first time he notices that there's music playing that he can't stop it, I was kind of thrown by that because he hadn't asked for it. And to me, it was just background music in the episode. Mm -hmm. So Hmm. it seemed very odd for him to call out to end the music, almost like breaking the fourth wall, because, well, that's just more of the soundtrack playing. And we find out that, well, no, that's coming through the speakers on the ship and they do try to listen more closely. They try to have it have a more of coming over a speakers type of sound to a little bit of echoey and kind of tinny yeah. type of yeah. thing. But the first time through going, what, why, what? No, that's really, okay. That's, that's just breaking the fourth wall altogether <laughs> right. for that one. Yeah. All right. We, th- we need to uh, keep pressing on. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave Chuck for last year to be able to rejoin us for. All right. His voting, but let's do our voting. I'm going to say this is on one to ten singing Murphs. Oh, singing Murphs. Okay. So I will begin with you, Craig. All right. Um, 
I uh, I did kind of like this episode, especially when they were, as you men- we mentioned earlier, bonding over the ice cream and stuff. And you can see they're really becoming even more so a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're starting to see that. We've been seeing that for episodes, but excuse me, they're getting closer and closer. So, um, uh, I did like, I don't, I like, please, I like holodeck stories a little bit. Uh, although it wasn't the whole thing wasn't holodeck, but I did, I do like holodeck, holodeck stories. Um, if they're done well. And I thought this was pretty good. So I'm, I'm gonna give this an eight. All right. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit higher on this one because what I, I'm going to, so I'm going to give it an eight and a half. No, no, I'm going nine then. I'm oh, kidding. I'm going nine and a half. <laughs> I'm going to get to 11. We got to stop. I'm just, uh, just I'm going you. to 11. Uh, <laughs> that's the highest you can go. So I can't do anything yeah. about that. Um, I, one of the things I liked about the episode is that you have this very long sequence of points where zero is figuring out what's going on and kind of that Sherlock Holmes type of mm-hmm. way that we, we would see in a TNG episode. So she figures out, yeah. well, we're really still on the holodeck and yeah. we solve this puzzle, but wait a minute, we're solving that puzzle, but there's another puzzle. Why is everything merging together? And she's just slowly, uh, they, they're just slowly piecing this all together. And then you get that very much a murder mystery type of, yeah. Here's the big reveal of what actually happened. And we can actually look at the playback and you can see what happened to Janeway at that point. So I liked, I liked the fact that it, it showed problem solving, you know, cause some of the things you always have to keep in mind is this is, although clearly a lot of it is for adults, but it's designed for younger people to have an entry into the Star Trek. Yeah. Universe. Sometimes we kind of forget that a little bit. Right. Yeah. Cause the stories get a little, Dark, like one of the things I forgot to mention the the episode where they're on uh, Noble Isle is when mm-hmm. uh, um, Rock Talk says to uh, Gwen, put away your, your weapon because she figured out that the lightning is going to strike that that long weapon that the yeah. Talshira have. And you just yep. see the pile of stuff pass by them that, on the elevator that used to be that Talshira, you know, person, just like this puddle of armor. Yeah. Just yeah. so you know, there are very much adult things in here, but this kind of uh, episode one introduced again the 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 meme of the the trope of the holodeck and possible accidents that can happen on it, but also this idea of problem solving and how to you know logically kind of figure out what has happened, and they they doled it out, I think, nicely over the course of the episode, and not just. All at the mm-hmm. end, type of thing. Yeah. So you know, Chuck, I think you back I'm gonna. Uh, okay. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna revise my rating. I'm, I'm gonna say eight and a half because that you're right. You. This is this is a good episode for the, a lot of the reasons you just laid out there. So I'm gonna bump it up a half a point. Okay, so uh, Chuck, uh, Craig, and I have both rated it an eight and a half of the um, eight and a half uh, singing, uh, singing Murphs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was worth some points right there. They they won. Uh yeah. and, and like you said, it was it it certainly turned a, an important corner in that Janeway wanted the ship to get back to Federation space. You know, hey, you guys are Starfleet material. We should get you to Earth. Uh you know, whether 
willingly or unwillingly, or someone hacked her subroutine. I mean, I have a note in, in my notes from this one that said, someone hacked Janeway. Right. Uh, so it was it was definitely a great turning point. I, I Like you said, I did catch the part where you said they, they, they reasoned their way out of the holodeck. You know, the best way is not to play. And uh, I like that one as well. I'm going to go with an eight and a half as well. All right. Very good. I think this is the first time we've agreed on every single episode that we've reviewed. I think. I Did we do three for really? three? All three of us got the same well, rating on all three? Uh, all four. All, all four, four episodes. Yeah, okay, well, I, I'm going to change mine to eight and a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, no, we can't have Eric, that. It's hard to believe. All right. Well, quickly, let's let's do a warp speed roundtable because we are running really long. No big surprise because we had so much to cover. Um, yep. Very quick warp speed roundtable question: Do you think we've seen the last of Okona? Do you no. think that bizarre exit was his exit? No, nope. no, no, no. He'll he'll be around in the Renaissance Festival uh, in next November. <laughs> refills fourteen dollars on the big stein of beer go to the charlotte convention center yeah 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 i don't think i have a feeling he's coming back he's coming back yeah uh, to redeem himself even if even in the slightest from that mm-hmm. exit. all right well it's about time to refill the dilithium chamber and warp on out of here you can find me clinton over at Comedy Forecast, all one word with the number four dot com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And I'm delving into Mastodon and Hive and all those things mm. that may come after a certain uh, one of those services. And MySpace and yeah, Friendster, all that kind of. Although apparently Friendster is a <laughs> is a Friendster is back, but it seems like it's a bot thing, and you don't want to be involved with that. It's like a, don't 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 no. don't do a Friendster invite if somebody send you out one all right who speaks nope, for you guys this week all right i'll do it because chuck's been in and out he's not reliable tonight <laughs> but, <laughs> Absolutely not. anyway so you can find chuck and i uh on the technorama podcast just search for technorama podcast on google and you will find us because we have our show posted about everywhere um so you can find us and um, we record on sunday nights at 9 30 all right. And thank you for thank you to listener Dan for contributing. Absolutely. Uh, we didn't get all yes. of your comments up on there, but we've we've noted them all. Sometimes I look up so long after you've made the comment Kevin. that I can't remember what the comment was. That was about the, the the Medusans leaving and leaving one child behind. Ah. That was okay. a home alone reference. Ah, Kevin! Very good. So Zero's real name is yeah. Kevin. I did not know that. <laughs> Things you learn. Oh, I was thinking all right. of the show, the movie up. Up, you know, Kevin, the, the bird. Okay. <laughs> the bird. Kevin. All right. Okay. Time to hit the theme, boys. This one. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend about it and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on Twitter at The Topic is Trek. Visit our Facebook page or visit thetopicistrek.com. Until next time, on behalf of Chuck, Craig, and myself, I'm Clinton, thanking you for listening. And as we always see here on The Topic is Trek, don't, don't put, on put on the red, on red shirt. shirt, Craig. Shirt. Tell yeah, your. I told you, Craig. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. <laughs> Michigan J. Frog. <laughs>